In my household, the discussion of Ukraine has consumed most of our conversations in the past week. From what we talk about over dinner, and then that conversation, it seems to continue until it trails off into the quiet of the night, until the next morning when the day renews. And then so too renews our Ukrainian discussion. But now reviewing the news of what happened while we were peacefully sleeping in our safe and our quiet home, while the Ukrainians were huddled away in a subway station, barely sleeping. Now as a Jew, with a very clear understanding of where we come from, my feelings toward Ukraine should be incredibly complex. Rabbi Jonathan spoke about it last week. Our Jewish history in Ukraine is thick and unbelievably complicated. If we focus our lens solely from the place of Jewish creation, my heart should swoon. Because the amount of Torah that was created in Ukraine is staggering. It influences worldwide Jewry today, even in this sanctuary on the other side of the world. You've heard some of the music tonight, but it's not just the music, it's the ideas. Hasidism was developed in Ukraine. Hasidism is the popular mystical movement of Judaism developed in the 17th century. Our deep focus on intention and slowing down the liturgy with the cantor adding different pieces of music to pull on our souls, that comes from Hasidism. That comes from Ukraine. Chaim Bialik comes from Ukraine, a Jewish poet who was one of the pioneers of modern Hebrew poetry, who would eventually be recognized posthumously as Israel's national poet. Zev Jabotinsky, the revisionist Zionist who was born in Ukraine, who would become one of the leading Jewish thinkers and orators that would lead to the establishment of Israel. And so, out of one side of my heart, one cannot look at the Jewish experience in Ukraine without pride and appreciation for how much of our Jewish life today is built upon the Jewish life that was developed in Ukraine. But, out of the other side of our hearts, when we hear about Ukraine, and Jews, it's among the darkest of dark memories for Jews, where Jews were murdered over generations. And then over a two-day period at Babi Yar, 33,771 Jews were murdered in a ravine outside of Kiev in Ukraine. But then even with all of this complexity, the, com the clarity of my and so many others' reactions to what is happening has been striking. Because there is no complexity in the world's reaction that this is wrong. Ukraine has grabbed not only my family's attention and heart, but that this reaction in my home, it's not unique. It's not unique in California. It's not even unique in the United States. In a world where the nations are always seemingly divided, there has been a unification this week unlike any that I can remember. When the world comes together to talk about climate change, an existential threat to all of us, we can't seem to agree. 
but of people that are hiding and being attacked while I sit safe at home has transfixed the world seemingly overnight. The unconscionable has struck the Western and Eastern world. NATO, an organization that is seemingly designed not to ever come to consensus since there are so many countries, but all of the countries are in alignment. Many pundits think Putin had never anticipated that there would be such a consensus so quickly among all the countries, as well as the rest of the world. But there has been. And I can't stop asking the question of why. Is this situation striking such a visceral chord in my home and in the world? It almost seems like an involuntary reaction when a doctor taps your knee with a hammer and inadvertently you jolt your leg forward. Something about this has caused a unified human jolting reaction unlike anything most of us have ever seen before. And I can't stop asking myself, why? Why is our reaction to this so visceral? Rabbi Danielle Hartman teaches that the original sin in Judaism, it's not eating the forbidden fruit in the Garden of Eden. In Judaism, we don't actually look down on the eating of the fruit, but rather conversely, many commentators, they celebrate the eating of the fruit because it comes from the tree of knowledge. It's what opens our eyes to the world. Even though the Garden of Eden is seen in other religions as the original sin, in Judaism, it's not. The original sin in Judaism, the foundation of evil in Judaism, is found right after the Garden of Eden with Cain and Abel, where Cain becomes jealous of Abel. He rises up and he uses his strength and his might, and he kills Abel. And then he says to God, am I my brother's keeper? It's at this moment, for the first time, that we see the idea that one would use their power to overcome someone else, to take away their life. We see the definition of injustice, the example of a world with no ethics, with no values. This right here, becomes the moment that Judaism defines what its mission is in the world. And that is to bring ethics and values into the world. Structures that protect the weak and the vulnerable. That protect the orphan and the widow. Structures that aim to create justice over power and not power over justice. Because this is the definition of ethics. So how does Judaism create a system in order for justice to prevail? By creating laws that are built with ethics at their forefront, curbing people's power to enable what is right in the world. The entire Torah is built creating law after law with guidance on how one should act in war, how one should treat a captive in war, to ethics and laws surrounding if you have a slave, how they too have rights and they need to be protected. These ethics and these values, they become granular in the Torah that eventually goes down to the level of how one is supposed to farm their land. 
Now the Torah is aware that a farmer has the ability to control all of the land and the food that they farm. But that would lead to greater inequality in society and make it so that the person who has nothing to eat may sell themselves in order to survive. So instead, we create a system of ethics and rules that limits the farmer. A system that says to the farmer, you can't actually own the land, you can't actually own that tree either. Your ownership is limited to when you can pick the crop. And then after the farmer loses, after this, the farmer loses their right, and she then limits her power, and instead cedes the rest of the crop to the poor, as well as the corners of the field. A limitation of power is created down to the small level of how you farm in the Torah in order to ensure what is right in the world and so it actually can exist. All people have the right to eat. We just may need laws in place to enable that reality. Laws to artificially constrain a person's power for the rights of others. This becomes the foundation of Judeo-Christian values and ethics in the world. Not to enable power and strength to overwhelm what is just and right, but rather to allow what is just and right to overwhelm what is powerful. And this week, we have seen power and strength surround a democratically elected country on all sides and move in, squeezing its right away, rights away, and a million people fleeing their homeland. And our reaction is visceral and involuntary, like the doctor just tapped the ethics bone with their hammer and the world has convulsed. Because in the words of Rabbi Hartman, what we are seeing is might win over what is right. What we're seeing is the original sin. We're consumed by this because the entire order of the world as we know it has been turned on its head and it isn't right. Because if you're upset to your core and you're disgusted and you're angry and you're outraged, good because it means your moral and ethical compass are alive and well. And it's frustrating, and it's wrong. And it goes against the foundation of ethics in the world we have been creating since Cain stood alone in that field over his dead brother. So what can we do? That ethics muscle inside of you, it would not have convulsed if it had not been fed and was healthy. So the first thing you can do is feed that muscle. And we do that through prayer. That's exactly what prayer is. We close our eyes and we pray, Oh, say shalom bim Roma. Huya say shalom aleinu. Ve'al kol Yisrael. That prayer is a meditation deep within our souls. Not about what the world is, but the world we dream of in our meditation. A world of peace, a world of justice. It's a mantra 
that if we don't feed and nurture those artificial boundaries that enable a world of ethics, they will be chipped away by pure might. Our prayer lives and our souls that can dream and then create a world where justice and ethics are at the forefront are imperative. And then, from the quiet of that prayer, as you imagine the Ukrainian family finally getting across the border into Poland, still crying that their father and their brothers were not allowed to cross, because they may now be the orphan and they may now be the widow. The same people that our Torah talks about over and over again to protect. And that it becomes now our job, our obligation to reach out to Hayas, the Hebrew Immigration Aid Society, who is standing on the forefront of this disaster, taking those orphans and those widows and broken families in and helping them with the resources to create some comfort and light in these dark times. But that prayer for peace, which is burrowed into our bones, and the fact that in the past 80 years the world has interwoven into a tighter community, it's a thing to celebrate and appreciate. You see, the world did not convulse the same way 80 years ago when the 33,771 Jews lay murdered in that ravine outside of Kiev. Tonight, we sit on Shabbat with a world that is unified. In this moment, behind a Jewish president of Ukraine, who comes from a grandfather who was the only son of four who survived the Holocaust. In the 1930s, the world did not come together. But today, we do. Our job, it's not to lose that anger. It's not to lose that outrage. It's not to lose that hope. It's not to lose that song of peace, which has been passed down from generation to generation, all the way from that moment when Cage stood alone in the field asking, am I my brother's keeper? And today, the world is answering, yes. <laughs>